Welcome to Bible Curious, where we explore the entire Bible from cover to cover, asking ourselves, what is the Holy Bible? What claims does it make about God? And what message does it have for us today? Whether you are faithful or unfaithful, believing, unbelieving, or just plain curious, this series is for you. I'm Arthur Milliken, and today we will be wrapping up Genesis with chapters 47 to 50 from the World English Bible. You can find our reading plan at biblecurious.org forward slash plan. The Book of Genesis, Chapter 47 Introduction Now that Israel and his sons have arrived to settle in Egypt, they must come to grips with their new status as serfs under Joseph and the Egyptian pharaoh. Last chapter, Joseph warned them, It will happen when Pharaoh summons you and will say what is your occupation, that you shall say your servants have been keepers of livestock from our youth even until now, both me and our fathers, that you may dwell in the land of Goshen, for every shepherd is an abomination to the Egyptians. Joseph was worried that Pharaoh might deal harshly with them if he knew that they were shepherds. But as we will see, Pharaoh is not concerned about their association with sheep. This chapter includes Jacob settles in Goshen, Joseph's leadership in famine. Chapter 47 Then Joseph went in and told Pharaoh and said, My father and my brothers with their flocks, their herds, and all that they own have come out of the land of Canaan. And behold, they are in the land of Goshen. From among his brothers he took five men and presented them to Pharaoh. Pharaoh said to his brothers, What is your occupation? They said to Pharaoh, Your servants are shepherds, both we and our fathers. They also said to Pharaoh, We have come to live as foreigners in the land, for there is no pasture for your servants' flocks, for the famine is severe in the land of Canaan. Now therefore, please, let your servants dwell in the land of Goshen. Pharaoh spoke to Joseph, saying, Your father and your brothers have come to you. The land of Egypt is before you. Make your father and your brothers dwell in the best of the land. Let them dwell in the land of Goshen. If you know any able men among them, put them in charge of my livestock. Joseph brought in Jacob his father and set him before Pharaoh. Jacob blessed Pharaoh. Pharaoh said to Jacob, How old are you? Jacob said to Pharaoh, The years of my pilgrimage are 130 years. The days of the years of my life have been few and evil. They have not attained to the days of the years of the life of my fathers in the days of their pilgrimage. Jacob blessed Pharaoh and went out from the presence of Pharaoh. Joseph placed his father and his brothers and gave them a possession in the land of Egypt, in the best of the land, in the land of Ramses, as Pharaoh had commanded. Joseph provided his father, his brothers, and all of his father's household with bread, according to the sizes of their families. There was no bread in all the land, for the famine was very severe, so that the land of Egypt and the land of Canaan fainted by reason of the famine. Joseph gathered up all the money that was found in the land of Egypt and in the land of Canaan for the grain which they bought. And Joseph 
brought the money into Pharaoh's house. When the money was all spent in the land of Egypt and in the land of Canaan, all the Egyptians came to Joseph and said, Give us bread, for why should we die in your presence, for our money fails? Joseph said, Give me your livestock, and I will give you food for your livestock, if your money is gone. They brought their livestock to Joseph, and Joseph gave them bread in exchange for the horses, and for the flocks, and for the herds, and for the donkeys. And he fed them with bread in exchange for all their livestock for that year. When that year was ended, they came to him the second year and said to him, We will not hide from my Lord how our money is all spent, and the herds of livestock are my Lord's. There is nothing left in the sight of my Lord but our bodies and our lands. Why should we die before your eyes, both we and our land? Buy us and our land for bread, and we and our land will be servants to Pharaoh. Give us seed that we may live and not die, and that the land won't be desolate. So Joseph bought all the land of Egypt for Pharaoh, for every man of the Egyptians sold his field, because the famine was severe on them, and the land became Pharaoh's. As for the people, he moved them to the cities from one end of the border of Egypt even to the other end of it. Only he didn't buy the land of the priests, for the priests had a portion from Pharaoh, and ate their portion which Pharaoh gave them. That is why they didn't sell their land. Then Joseph said to the people, Behold, I have bought you and your land today for Pharaoh. Behold, here is seed for you, and you shall sow the land. It will happen at the harvests that you shall give a fifth to Pharaoh, and four parts will be your own, for seed of the field, for your food, for them of your household, and for food for your little ones. They said, You have saved our lives. Let us find favor in the sight of my Lord, and we will be Pharaoh's servants. Joseph made it a statute concerning the land of Egypt to this day, that Pharaoh should have the fifth. Only the land of the priests alone didn't become Pharaoh's. Israel lived in the land of Egypt, in the land of Goshen, and they got themselves possessions therein, and were fruitful and multiplied exceedingly. Jacob lived in the land of Egypt seventeen years, so the days of Jacob, the years of his life, were one hundred forty-seven years. The time came near that Israel must die, and he called his son Joseph, and said to him, If now I have found favor in your sight, please put your hand under my thigh, and deal kindly and truly with me, please don't bury me in Egypt, but when I sleep with my fathers, you shall carry me out of Egypt and bury me in their burying place. Joseph said, I will do as you have said. Israel said, Swear to me. And he swore to him. Then Israel bowed himself on the bed's head. In telling this narrative, Joseph is tactful not to describe his father and brothers as servants of Pharaoh, but careful reading of the text makes it hard to escape this conclusion. Even when Joseph's brothers defiantly present themselves to Pharaoh as shepherds despite Joseph's warning, Pharaoh takes it in stride and assigns them as keepers of his royal herds of cattle anyway. As dependents upon Pharaoh's mercy, 
they were in no position to refuse. When Jacob demanded Joseph swear an oath to bury him in Canaan instead of Egypt, it was because Joseph, out of all his sons, had enough political influence with Pharaoh to get permission to leave Goshen to carry out this task. In this chapter, we saw the swift consolidation of wealth and property into the hands of Pharaoh, as the citizens of Egypt sold their livestock, lands, and then their own bodies to the Egyptian government. Was Joseph's family included in this transfer of individual sovereignty over to Pharaoh? Well, not exactly, because they had already done so when they accepted Joseph's invitation to give up their homes in Canaan and settle in Goshen to live under Pharaoh's protection. Otherwise, why didn't they return to Canaan after the seven-year famine ended? The Book of Genesis, Chapter 48, Introduction After living in Egypt for 17 years, Jacob found himself approaching death and wished to bestow a blessing upon his favorite son, Joseph. He does this by adopting Joseph's two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim, as his own. Symbolically, this has the effect of replacing his single son, Joseph, who is now the property of Pharaoh, with a double portion built from Joseph's seed. This chapter includes Jacob blesses Ephraim and Manasseh. Chapter 48 After these things, someone said to Joseph, Behold, your father is sick. He took with him his two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim. Someone told Jacob and said, Behold, your son Joseph comes to you. And Israel strengthened himself and sat on the bed. Jacob said to Joseph, God Almighty appeared to me at Luz in the land of Canaan and blessed me and said to me, Behold, I will make you fruitful and multiply you and I will make of you a company of peoples and will give this land to your offspring after you for an everlasting possession. Now your two sons who were born to you in the land of Egypt before I came to you into Egypt are mine, Ephraim and Manasseh, even as Reuben and Simeon, will be mine. Your offspring, whom you become the father of after them, will be yours. They will be called after the name of their brothers in their inheritance. As for me, when I came from Padan, Rachel died beside me in the land of Canaan on the way, when there was still some distance to come to Ephrath, and I buried her there on the way to Ephrath, also called Bethlehem. Israel saw Joseph's sons and said, Who are these? Joseph said to his father, They are my sons, whom God has given me here. He said, Please bring them to me, and I will bless them. Now the eyes of Israel were dim for age, so that he couldn't see well. Joseph brought them near to him. And he kissed them and embraced them. Israel said to Joseph, I didn't think I would see your face, and behold, God has let me see your offspring also. Joseph brought them out from between his knees, and he bowed himself with his face to the earth. Joseph took them both, Ephraim in his right hand toward Israel's left hand, and Manasseh in his left hand toward Israel's right hand. 
and brought them near to him. Israel stretched out his right hand and laid it on Ephraim's head, who was the younger, and his left hand on Manasseh's head, guiding his hands knowingly, for Manasseh was the firstborn. He blessed Joseph and said, The God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked, the God who has fed me all my life long to this day, the angel who has redeemed me from all evil, bless the lads and let my name be named on them and the name of my fathers Abraham and Isaac. Let them grow into a multitude upon the earth. When Joseph saw that his father laid his right hand on the head of Ephraim, it displeased him. He held up his father's hand to remove it from Ephraim's head to Manasseh's head. Joseph said to his father, Not so, my father, for this is the firstborn. Put your right hand on his head. His father refused and said, I know, my son, I know. He also will become a people, and he also will be great. However, his younger brother will be greater than he, and his offspring will become a multitude of nations. He blessed them that day, saying, Israel will bless in you, saying, God make you as Ephraim and Manasseh. He set Ephraim before Manasseh. Israel said to Joseph, Behold, I am dying, but God will be with you and bring you again to the land of your fathers. Moreover, I have given to you one portion above your brothers, which I took out of the hand of the Amorite with my sword and with my bow. According to ancient Near Eastern custom, a patriarch's estate is usually divided equally between his surviving sons, with the eldest son receiving a double portion. However, Jacob's eldest son Reuben disgraced himself and his father by sleeping with Jacob's concubine Bilhah. Jacob's solution to this dilemma was to adopt two of Joseph's sons as his own, thus assigning to Joseph the double portion of Jacob's inheritance, which would have been due to Reuben. Israel's reversing of Ephraim with Manasseh is interesting because it mirrors Yahweh's prophecy spoken to Israel's mother Rebekah during her pregnancy, where likewise the younger brother was exalted above the elder. Ephraim's blessing would see fulfillment in the rule of Joshua, successor to Moses, who would hail from the tribe of Ephraim. In the latter days of the divided kingdom, Ephraim would be a name often used to refer to the entire northern kingdom of Israel, representing 10 out of 12 tribes. The Book of Genesis, Chapter 49, Introduction As Jacob nears his last breath, he summons his 12 sons for a final blessing. Having turned his life over to the protection of Egypt, he no longer had property of his own to speak of, and so this series of blessings would have to serve as his son's inheritance. Most interpretations of this chapter assume that Jacob's prophecies do not address his sons individually, but rather speak prophetically to the twelve tribes which would spring from his son's descendants. I believe it's also possible Jacob is addressing each of twelve individual souls shining a light on future deeds in future lives. 
specific blessings we should notice are those to Judah, Israel's fourth son, to Joseph, his favorite son, as well as the mysterious prophecy spoken to Dan, which could be interpreted as a curse rather than a blessing. This chapter includes Jacob blesses his sons, the death of Jacob. Chapter 49 Jacob called to his sons and said, Gather yourselves together, that I may tell you that which will happen to you in the days to come. Assemble yourselves and hear, you sons of Jacob, listen to Israel, your father. Reuben, you are my firstborn, my might, and the beginning of my strength, excelling in dignity and excelling in power, boiling over like water. You shall not excel, because you went up to your father's bed, then defiled it. He went up to my couch. Simeon and Levi are brothers. Their swords are weapons of violence. My soul don't come into their council. My glory don't be united to their assembly, for in their anger they killed men. In their self-will they hamstrung cattle. Cursed be their anger, for it was fierce, and their wrath, for it was cruel. I will divide them in Jacob and scatter them in Israel. Judah, your brothers will praise you. Your hand will be on the neck of your enemies. Your father's sons will bow down before you. Judah is a lion's cub. From the prey, my son, you have gone up. He stooped down. He crouched as a lion, as a lioness. Who will rouse him up? The scepter will not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet until he comes to whom it belongs. The obedience of the peoples will be to him. Binding his foal to the vine, his donkey's colt to the choice vine, he has washed his garments in wine, his robes in the blood of grapes. His eyes will be red with wine, his teeth white with milk. Zebulun will dwell at the haven of the sea. He will be for a haven of ships. His border will be on Sidon. Ishikar is a strong donkey, lying down between the saddlebags. He saw a resting place, that it was good, the land, that it was pleasant. He bows his shoulder to the burden and becomes a servant, doing forced labor. Dan will judge his people as one of the tribes of Israel. Dan will be a serpent on the trail, an adder in the path that bites the horse's heels so that his rider falls backward. I have waited for your salvation, Yahweh. A troop will press on Gad, but he will press on their heel. Asher's food will be rich. He will produce royal dainties. Naphtali is a doe set free who bears beautiful fawns. Joseph is a fruitful vine, a fruitful vine by a spring. His branches run over the wall. 
The archers have severely grieved him, shot at him, and persecuted him, but his bow remained strong. The arms of his hands were made strong by the hands of the mighty one of Jacob. From there is the shepherd, the stone of Israel, even by the God of your father who will help you, by the Almighty who will bless you with blessings of heaven above, blessings of the deep that lies below, blessings of the breasts and of the womb. The blessings of your father have prevailed above the blessings of my ancestors, above the boundaries of the ancient hills. They will be on the head of Joseph, on the crown of the head of him who is separated from his brothers. Benjamin is a ravenous wolf. In the morning he will devour the prey. At evening he will divide the plunder. All these are the twelve tribes of Israel, and this is what their father spoke to them and blessed them. He blessed everyone according to his own blessing. He instructed them and said to them, I am to be gathered to my people. Bury me with my fathers in the cave that is in the field of Ephron the Hittite, in the cave that is in the field of Machpelah, which is before Mamre, in the land of Canaan, which Abraham bought with the field from Ephron the Hittite as a burial place. There they buried Abraham and Sarah his wife. There they buried Isaac and Rebekah his wife. And there I buried Leah, the field and the cave that is therein, which was purchased from the children of Haith. When Jacob finished charging his sons, he gathered up his feet into the bed, breathed his last breath, and was gathered to his people. Jacob's insistence on carrying his body back to the cave of Machpelah in Canaan was more than mere sentimentality. Remember that when Rachel passed, who was the love of his life, Jacob was content to bury her in what is now Bethlehem without any concern for transporting her body to the family tomb. My belief is that Jacob had stashed in the cave of Machpelah the written text of his own autobiography, and he wanted Joseph to retrieve those scrolls so that they would be kept safe during the Israelite captivity in Egypt. Jacob's prophecy to Joseph as the fruitful vine who would maintain relationship with God was a direct reference to Joseph's role in securing these scrolls, which would later become chapters 27 through 35 of the book of Genesis. Jacob's prophecy to Judah is extremely important because the tribe of Judah would produce the great King David and initiate Israel's golden age. The scepter will not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet until he comes to whom it belongs. The obedience of the peoples will be to him. Also in the same prophecy is this verse, which would be fulfilled in the ministry of Jesus. Binding his foal to the vine, his donkey's colt, to the choice vine, he has washed his garments in wine, his robes in the blood of grapes. Much speculation has been generated by Jacob's ominous prophecy to his son Dan. 
Dan will be a serpent on the trail, an adder in the path that bites the horse's heels so that his rider falls backward. Dan's history shows that they would forsake their tribal lands to settle in the city of Laish, where they would promote idolatry in defiance of biblical law. However, I believe this particular prophecy was directed to the soul of Dan himself, who would later incarnate as Judas Iscariot and betray Jesus to the Roman authorities for 30 pieces of silver. This also explains why Dan would be excluded from the list of tribes in Revelation chapter 7, and also why Jacob follows up this prophecy with the interjection, I have waited for your salvation, Yahweh. The Book of Genesis, Chapter 50 Introduction We now reach the concluding chapter of Genesis, bringing to a close over 2,000 years of history which would serve as preamble to the biblical narrative. Keep in mind that the famine which had brought the children of Israel into Egypt was now over 10 years past, yet leaving Egypt to resettle back in Canaan is never considered as an option by the sons of Jacob, despite having legitimate reason to fear reprisal from Joseph, who now ruled over them. This chapter includes mourning and burial for Jacob. Joseph comforts his brothers. Chapter 50 Joseph fell on his father's face, wept on him, and kissed him. Joseph commanded his servants, the physicians, to embalm his father, and the physicians embalmed Israel. Forty days were used for him, for that is how many days it takes to embalm. The Egyptians wept for Israel for seventy days. When the days of weeping for him were past, Joseph spoke to Pharaoh's staff, saying, If now I have found favor in your eyes, please speak in the ears of Pharaoh, saying, My father made me swear, saying, Behold, I am dying. Bury me in my grave, which I have dug for myself in the land of Canaan. Now therefore, please let me go up and bury my father, and I will come again. Pharaoh said, Go up and bury your father, just like he made you swear. Joseph went up to bury his father, and with him went up all the servants of Pharaoh, the elders of his house, all the elders of the land of Egypt, all the house of Joseph, his brothers, and his father's house. Only their little ones, their flocks, and their herds they left in the land of Goshen. Both chariots and horsemen went up with them. It was a very great company. They came to the threshing floor of Atad, which is beyond the Jordan, and there they lamented with a very great and severe lamentation. He mourned for his father seven days. When the inhabitants of the land, the Canaanites, saw the mourning in the floor of Atad, they said, This is a grievous mourning by the Egyptians. Therefore its name was called Abel Mitzraim, which is beyond the Jordan. His sons did to him just as he commanded them, for his sons carried him into the land of Canaan and buried him in the cave of the field of Machpelah, which Abraham bought with the field as a possession for a burial site from Ephron the Hittite near Mamre. Joseph returned into Egypt, he and his brothers and all that went up with him to bury his father after he had buried his father. 
When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, It may be that Joseph will hate us and will fully pay us back for all the evil which we did to him. They sent a message to Joseph, saying, Your father commanded before he died, saying, You shall tell Joseph, Now please forgive the disobedience of your brothers and their sin, because they did evil to you. Now, please forgive the disobedience of the servants of the God of your father. Joseph wept when they spoke to him. His brothers also went and fell down before his feet, and they said, Behold, we are your servants. Joseph said to them, Don't be afraid, for am I in the place of God? As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good, to save many people alive, as is happening today. Now therefore, don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your little ones. He comforted them and spoke kindly to them. Joseph lived in Egypt, he and his father's house. Joseph lived 110 years. Joseph saw Ephraim's children to the third generation. The children also of Machir, the son of Manasseh, were born on Joseph's knees. Joseph said to his brothers, I am dying, but God will surely visit you and bring you up out of this land to the land which he swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. Joseph took an oath from the children of Israel, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones from here. So Joseph died, being 110 years old, and they embalmed him, and he was put in a coffin in Egypt. Just as Israel made Joseph swear to carry his body to the cave of Machpelah, Joseph likewise makes his people swear to carry his bones out of Egypt on the day that God visits them to take them out of captivity. The reason for this should now be clear. Joseph, who now had possession of Israel's written history, as well as his own written autobiography, needed to ensure that these records would remain with his people as their miraculous history unfolds. Understanding Egyptian reverence for the dead, Joseph had confidence that these scrolls would remain unmolested during the Israelite captivity, which would last for many centuries. Keep in mind, though, that the combined histories of Jacob and Joseph only account for half of the book of Genesis. Where's the rest of it? Some fragments, I believe, were already in Egypt, having been originally written by Noah's grandson Mitzraim, founder of Egypt. These included Genesis chapters 1 and 5, as well as certain fragments of the Great Flood narrative. The remainder lay in the hands of the children of Esau, who were settling the land which would later become the kingdom of Edom. How would these historical records at last be united? To understand this, we will need to study the life of the prophet Moses, whose biography begins in the book of Exodus. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us day by day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive anyone who is indebted to us. 
Bring us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Thank you for listening. If you've satisfied any of your Bible curiosity, please rate this series. If you have feedback, write a review. And if you are still curious for more, please subscribe so that we can send you timely updates and join us for our next episode where we will begin a brief detour from the Torah with the book of Job, chapters 1 through 5, Renounce God and Die. How uplifting is that? This is Arthur Milliken saying good night and God bless. Thank you.